0: Our gospel today is found in the book of Acts, and it's in the second chapter. And it starts like this. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears him in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Polygra and Palampia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? However, some made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. The Gospel of the Holy Spirit. See, I got you there. I changed a little something. Did you notice? So, as we've been talking about in our previous Acts series, uh, how kind of Acts all fits into this whole section of the New Testament, we're going to continue through Acts uh, for the next uh, quite a few weeks, actually. We, we'll be in this for a little while here, talking about being empowered and, and what happens with, in the early church when the Holy Spirit comes. And so, uh, just to kind of reiterate some background, if you guys are like me, your brain's a little bit like cottage cheese and some cottage cheese? Swiss cheese. My brain probably is a little bit like cottage cheese. Uh, and stuff, there's holes, and stuff just falls out sometimes. Um, so, Acts is the second book that Luke wrote. Uh, Luke is, wrote the Gospel of Luke, which makes sense because it has his name on it. And then he also wrote, as kind of a part two, he wrote Acts, and so Luke has written a vast majority of the actual words of the New Testament in these two long historical accounts of what happened in the, with Jesus and what happened with the early church. So really, Acts is the Gospel of Luke 2. This time it's personal. The Gospel of Luke 2, the, the apostles strike back. <laughs> Uh, the two? Okay, anyway. Uh, bad, uh, but the thing is, it, we, we said in the last series, this time the sequel is actually just as good as the first movie, which is very, very unusual. Usually when they try to recreate something that was good, it ends up much worse. Like, I am deeply concerned about Toy Story 4. Um, okay, we had three good movies. The third one is in, really designed to make you cry, and that's mean. Um, but but 4 I, I'm deeply concerned that 4 is going to be terrible um, there, there were 3 movies that were released that I deny their existence because you have the actual Star Wars movies which is 4, 5, and 6 that, that are the, the Star Wars movies and then there's these things that happened and they're not real and they're terrible and then at the same time this happened and I'm going to rant a little bit George Lucas also went ahead and ruined the original 3 movies by making them different. Um, The good news is, for those of you who are concerned, and I am deeply concerned, um, Disney is re-releasing on Blu-ray the original Star Wars movies without any of the George Lucas terribleness that he added to it. So um, uh, we can all thank Jesus for that. Uh, Moving on. Uh, so, this is the Gospel of Luke 2. This is the continuing of, of the story. Because Luke moves us. In, in, in the Gospel of Luke, he talks about what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through the ministry of Jesus. Jesus, over and over again, Luke writes how, how he does things by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved and then Jesus healed someone. And, and talks all this stuff about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing in Jesus. But then in Acts it changes, right? Because last series talked about the ascension of Jesus. That Jesus was, was here, and then he went up there. He, he ascended into heaven. And at that point, all the left is these apostles, and they're like, wait a minute, and Jesus just flew away. That's not quite what I expected. Uh, And and Jesus told them, I'm going and you need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Because what's happening is the same way that the Holy Spirit moved through Jesus, Luke's going to show us how the same Spirit of God moves through the church. And so we stopped our last series with... The Holy Spirit falling on the early church, we talked a little bit about how how they were going there uh, P- Peter goes and he preaches to people right after that. Then it talks about how the Spirit came and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, and how all these people who were there from different people groups, different nations we just kind of in the gospel lesson we all those all those nations i couldn 't pronounce um, all these people came from these different nations, all speaking their own languages. And the Spirit falls on the early church, and then all these people hear them talking about the wonders of God in their own language. And so the Spirit empowers them and and moves them on to mission to talk about Jesus. And so... The Spirit empowers them to do this thing that Jesus said in the beginning of Acts. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that seems like a big mission, right? So if you're the early church and you're in Jerusalem and you don't have cars, you don't have planes, uh, you have some boats, but the boats are very scary. Uh, you have horses, you have, you have things that, 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 to travel, you have to travel on something that, that is um, living, really. And so, it seems like a big, a big thing. Jesus said, You're gonna, you need to make sure that my gospel goes into all these nations. And what I think is really amazing, and we talked about this in the last part of Acts, is that the Holy Spirit does exactly what Jesus says here Immediately. Because instead of the apostles having to go out to all these nations, all these nations were actually gathered here. Jews and God-fearing people had come for the festival into Jerusalem. And then, because they're all there, and because the Holy Spirit is is doing something where people in different languages can hear them talking about God, suddenly, this whole thing that, hey, you're going to witness to all these places, happens immediately. And it's going to happen again, and the church is going to go out from here. But it's pretty neat to see the people from Judea, Samaria, and the very ends of the earth hear the news about Jesus immediately by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's pretty neat that the language barriers there were broken. Because what seems impossible to us, God's Spirit can actually do very, very quickly and very, very significantly in and among excuse me, His church. And so, but I I think it's real great, as we read this first part of this passage today, is the different ways that people respond when the the Spirit comes to the church, and the church is doing what it's supposed to do on mission, people respond a few different ways. Uh, The first one is that we see that some people are just amazed, right? This, this is all happening and all this weird supernatural stuff that we talked about, and there's a sound like a rushing wind, and something that looks kind of like tongues of fire. And people are amazed and when they hear everybody talking about Jesus in their own language. In Acts 2 7 says, utterly amazed they asked, Are these, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then further on in the verse, in verse 12, it says, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What Does this mean? And so they're utterly amazed and they say, Aren't all these speaking Galileans? And so when you hear them say Galileans, I want you to think, These guys aren't the people that we expect to be smart. (laughs) We would expect these people from this sort of remote part to be kind of, you know, working class people down to earth, but not the the brightest bulbs in the box, not educated men. They shouldn't know a bunch of different languages. That isn't what they expect. And so they're utterly amazed that these, what they would expect to be ordinary fishermen are, are doing these extraordinary things. And they want to know, what the heck does that mean? So some people will be amazed. Some people will think we are crazy. Um, and this has happened historically. You know, sometimes the, the people think... People who are passionately following Jesus are weird. In fact, we did a whole series on being weird. Uh, some people made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So this is all going on. Some we people are like, "It's not, I think these guys are going to tip a little back. Uh, they're they're a little bit crazy." Uh, and Peter's going to respond to that in a little bit. But sometimes when we we act in the power of God's spirit and we live the way that we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus, people are going to think we're weird and people are going to notice that we're different because we act in the way that Jesus told us to act. Also, we're going to see as we go forward in the passages, some people, when God's people move on his mission, some people will believe in him, uh, Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The church goes from being about 120 people to 3,000 and 120 people. And it's also possible that it was even more than that, because when you would write this sort of thing 2,000 years ago, uh, you would only count men. Um, so you would, count, you would count men and you'd say, okay, well, 3,000 men were added to the church. Um, is, that's, uh, we don't know that for sure, but that's certainly possible given how most of the rest of the scripture is written. Um, so it could have been more like 9,000 because if you include when, when, when the men would, would come to the church, so would their wives and kids. So some people will, will believe because of the words that the church speaks they their on mission. But also some people will get angry. When the the church embodies what they're supposed to embody, and and we we passionately love people when they least expect it and they least deserve it. We're people of grace and of mercy. And we talk about Jesus, and and we talk about the the gospel, and Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Sometimes people will get angry about that. Uh, Certainly the ancient uh, Jews did. And later on in Acts, it says, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. And what's even funnier is that there will be people who will be more than one of these at different times. Uh, There's sometimes where people are amazed, but then when when the church doesn't do what they think the church should do, they get angry. Uh, There there are people who were amazed that our church would throw a Halloween carnival for them. But when we didn't serve them exactly what they wanted at the concession table, they got angry. People are funny. Uh, (laughs) Some people will will, will believe and then some people will will be amazed. Some people will get angry and then later on they'll believe. The, the The Apostle Paul was originally Saul. And Saul was going around murdering Christians. He was persecuting the early church. He was angry because what they were doing went against the the Jewish narrative that he knew and that he represented. And later on, he would believe because Jesus uh, changed his life in a powerful way. So different people are going to react different ways to the church when they act in the power of the Spirit. But one thing is clear. The church empowered by God's Spirit is neither quiet nor safe. We're not quiet. We're not safe. A lot of people are okay with you being a Christian as long as you don't talk about it. You can believe whatever you want. I just don't want to, to, to hear about it or know about it. Uh, but the church is rarely quiet when they're on the mission of Jesus. And it doesn't mean that we have to be rude street preachers with a bullhorn. But it does mean that we're not ashamed of what we believe, that we're not, that we're not, we're not just holding it into ourselves and never talking to anybody about it, because it's not quiet and it's not safe. Peter's then going to respond. So we have this first part where the Spirit's fallen on the church, and they, they're speaking in other tongues, and people are like, hey, what's going on here? I can hear them in my own language. And then Peter stands up, and he begins to preach to people. And so we're going to read a lot of scripture right here. And I'm going to kind of just give you guys a few different points from it. And it's Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. And it starts with this. "It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. Um, so it's very early in the morning. So Peter, Peter starts, we, we've talked about the different weird things that have happened in Acts up till this point. And so, uh, Peter is having to explain this to them because obviously something a little bit weird is going on and people are amazed, but some people think it's strange. And so he just gets up and he starts talking about it. He's like, Hey, you know what? We're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Um, you know, it's funny because, uh, if people came in and, and, and all the weird stuff was going on, they thought we were drunk, that'd be quite the church meeting, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> so we have to acknowledge that there's, there is some weird stuff going on here. Uh, and that, So Peter is going to explain what's going on to people who maybe don't understand. And sometimes in our lives, maybe you have to make a difficult choice because of what you believe. And maybe you have to to be a little different because what you believe. And sometimes people are going to think that's weird. And when they do, it's okay to say, you know what? I'm a little bit different because I follow Jesus. And I believe that this is what Jesus would have me do. Not in a a judgmental way or or an accusatory way, but to say, hey, I am a little bit different. Because as as a believer in Jesus, sometimes my life is a little bit different. And that's okay. So Peter is okay with explaining that. And so it goes on. Peter starts to really kind of kind of set it out. He says, no, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven and above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter then quotes a a very significant Old Testament prophet Joel. So it would have been very familiar to the people he was speaking to, talking about the, the, the day of the Lord and the, and the, everyone who calling on the Lord being saved. And for Israel this was a promise to them about their kingdom. That there was going to come a day where, where God was going to come and redeem Israel. And, uh, and what Peter is starting to get across that, hey, something different than what you expected is going on, but it still is a part of this story that you've always known. You expected that God was going to do one thing, but he's doing something different in and through Jesus. And so he's connecting what's going on here in, these early church, in this early church with these early Christians with the ancient story of Israel. He's giving them a, a promise that the things that they are waiting for, that God had promised them as a people, that they were happening now. That salvation was, was there and, and it's for them and everyone who calls on the name of Jesus can be saved. He said, just like Joel told us, that's what's happening right now. You think this is all weird. You think this is all a little crazy. You think we might even be a little bit drunk. But what's actually happening is that God's doing this exact thing that he said he was going to do hundreds of years before. He continues, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This is how you win a crowd. Uh, Yeah, Jesus, uh, God sent him and told you all about him, and uh, hey, you killed him. Good job. (laughs) By nailing him to a cross, but But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made, me, made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Peter is, is, pretty, is pretty brilliant. He's like, hey, this old story that you guys know, that Joel talked about, God's redeeming his people, this is happening now. You can be saved through Jesus, who by the way, you killed. Good job, but, but, then he starts to list God's promises, but God said he wouldn't abandon his holy one to the grave, but God said, and so he's, he's, he's giving them this idea that, hey, you know what, you may have thought this is what happened, you may have, you may have made this mistake, but God is using your mistakes to bring redemption and life to the whole world, which is often the th- way that happens in our life. That God redeems our brokenness. God redeems our mistakes. God redeems our stories and uses them for something greater than we could expect. So his sermon kind of ends like this. He says, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, Both Lord and Christ. Peter's telling God's people, God's story with a new meaning and with a different ending than what they expect. God's still redeeming his people just like he said he would. But he's starting a new kingdom, God's kingdom, which is for Everyone, Like the, the first lesson today in Genesis where God promises Abram, Hey, you, you are going to be a blessing to all people. God always had a bigger plan than one nation. He had a plan for everybody. And so when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. All right. How am I doing? Hey, I'm only 21 minutes in. This is a big passage to cover in 20 minutes, so I'm going a little over. But y'all will forgive me, right? Right. God empowers Peter by his spirit to speak his words. That the resurrected Jesus is alive. That God's spirit is empowering his people that we can turn from trying to fix this broken world on bro- our broken lives on our own. But instead we can turn to Jesus and find forgiveness and redemption for the things that we've screwed up. And then God can use those mistakes for his greater glory and honor. That we can be baptized and we can be brought into a new family and a new kingdom, the church. And that we can have the Holy Spirit so that just like Peter we can boldly tell others about Jesus. And what seems impossible to us, God's Spirit can do very, very quickly. And He doesn't always do that, but sometimes He does. And so I want to challenge you today. One of three things. One may be just to accept this message that, that today is a day where, where you need to, to believe, maybe for the first time today or the first time for, in a long time, and stop trying to fix your life and your mistakes and your mess yourself. One of the fundamental ideas in, in Christianity and the Gospels is, is in Hebrews, it's called re- re- repentance from dead works. And what that means is that we turn away from trying to fix our lives ourselves. Trying to do things to impress God and to make God love us. And instead say, I turn away from that. And said, I turn to Jesus who's done it all for me already on the cross and through the resurrection. So today you can believe and you can stop trying to fix your life yourself. And maybe your, my challenge to you today might be the second part of that. Where they believed and then they were baptized. If you've never been baptized, uh, it's not really listed as an option in Scripture. It says, hey, if, if you believe, you should be baptized. And so maybe today you need to say, you know what, I really need to do that. I need to, as, as I decide to believe, you know, I need to take that next step and go through th- this ancient Christian ritual where I'm put under the water and I'm brought back out again to, to signify death to sin and life in Christ. Or maybe it's that third one, and you need to allow God's spirit to use you to speak his words. You need to realize that your Christianity isn't supposed to be quiet, and it isn't supposed to be safe. And there's a few, there's different ways that this looks, but I wanted to just challenge you. If that's you today, it might be that you need to, instead of being quiet, you need to be a person who's willing to speak life into people, and willing to speak truth to people, even when it's difficult. Maybe it's something simple, like you need to be willing to invite people to church. Um, it's funny you talk about that God's spirit can, can do things quickly. You know, it, it's, it's an old pastor's thing. The, our church could be twice as big next week. And all it would take is every single person inviting someone who doesn't go to church to come with them and dragging them along. <laughs> and it's amazing how many people will come to church if you invite them. So maybe you know someone and they have a lot of brokenness, a lot of hurt in their life, and you know they need something that's going to turn their life around. Well, you can grab an invitation off the table. You can invite them to church. They, I will bring you to church. Just, just come with me. Or maybe it's that uh, we've talked about in the last few, few series a lot about reading the Bible. And maybe if if you're supposed to be allowing God's Spirit to use you to speak His words, you need to start by knowing some of His words. You need to get a Bible reading plan. You need to get some of God's words in your heart so that you can speak them to others. So those are our challenges today. Would you pray with me? God, for each of us, let us take a step of faith. Accept a challenge that you've put in our heart today. That we would be people who accept your message. We would be people who believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that you were raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, and that we can find new life as we believe in you and as we we serve you as our Lord and our God. God, for some of us, maybe we need to take that first entry step into Christianity and say, I believe God, but I want to be obedient and I want to be baptized. God, that, that you can, you can by, by obedience, I can show you that I am fully devoted to following you. Or God, for some of us, maybe it's, it's just we need to allow your spirit, which is already in us, to fill us again and use us to speak your words. That we would be people who speak life and truth to people. That we would be people who invite people to come and hear what, what you're doing through your, through your church, God. Or be people who, who know your words so that we can speak your words of life into the hearts of others. God, don't let us leave here today the same that we came in, but let us see the step of faith that you've called us to take this week. And God, let us continue to consider these things as you invite us to your table, to another one uh, of the sacraments, the opportunities of grace that you give us to, to remember your broken body and spilled blood through through communion. That God, we would, we would, as we reflect on the sacrifice that you made for us, that we would see the the next step of following you, the sacrifice that we need to make for you as we continue to follow you and be on your mission. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.